One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once, it's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Happy What does financial literacy mean to you? Okay. I you, think you, you, me- you attended the first class, first of all? Were you at the first class? Yes, yes, I was intrigued. Okay, great. So you had a week to think about it. What does financial literacy mean to you? I think one thing I learned from the first session is that I need to focus less on saving and budgeting and really think about what does it mean to build wealth over time and what are some of the strategies I can incorporate to do that. So thank you for bringing that perspective. Okay. So now that you've thought about that, what is it, what in your personal, in your personal life goals, what, how are you incorporating, how are you thinking of incorporating financial literacy into helping you achieve those goals? And what are some of your goals? I think, and well uh, said, by the way, sorry to say that well said. Thank you. I think right now my partner and I are working on savings goals, but we might want to think about different types of accounts that have a higher yield and or thinking about like how to develop a personal brand. That wasn't something that I had ever considered prior to this session. So I'm curious to learn more about that and what that would look like. Okay. So let's, let's, let's roll up our sleeves and talk a little about that as far as your personal brand. What are your goals? What are you trying to do career-wise? Um, you know, what's your purpose? Do you dream? Are you a dreamer? Um, I'm actually really interested in um, like community farming and growing food. And I'm not sure what that would look like, but I want to make uh, healthy, delicious food more accessible to people. And so I, I'm not, I have no sense of where to take that, but I would love to be able to make a living um, doing something that I'm passionate about, either along those lines or something else. Well, I failed in this program if I can't draw that connection for you. Because I truly believe that whatever you choose to do in life, we can build a business around that and we can ex- execute that. Because to me, that's what life is all about. Like doing something that you enjoy, that you want to do, that's good for the community, exactly what you're doing, all the check marks, and then leaving something behind for the next generation. So you want to do community farming. And I assume you're New York-based, obviously. And I think, does New York City itself need community farming? What do you think? I think, I mean, I think there is interest and I think there is need, you know, like places like Whole Foods are not affordable. And yet why, you know, why is this food not accessible more broadly, be it through community gardens or otherwise? Okay, so we talked about last week, like businesses thinking of a supply versus demand, right? Can there be a supply, a demand for what you're thinking about doing, which is community farming? 
I believe so. Maybe you have to do your homework a little bit more to figure out where the niche is. But yes, do I think there's people out there? I live in Clinton Hill, Brooklyn, and I know there's we have a little community farms in our neighborhood and they're packed from springtime. People are already starting to farm. People are starting to grow their crops. And I always want to do it myself. But I was catching on the tail end. They're like, oh, it's April. You're you're too far. You should have been here in March. You should have been planting in March. You, you missed the boat. But I do believe, you know, we're trending towards like, you know, people are trending towards more organic food choices right? versus processed food versus um, high volume um, built, uh, grown food. So I think I believe what you're thinking, there is a demand, there is a business model behind that. And you have to position your mind to think like that. What is the business behind this? So you have to start learning everything there is to need to know about community farming. All right. And the advantage that you have in your generations versus mine, where can your library be? Where does your library exist? Mine, I had to go to the library. I had to take out a, get a library card and I had to call people. But where is your library? Where can you get wealth of information from? I would say people and online. Um, online. Exactly. Yeah. So you have to be, you have to own community farming. You know, when I say own it, I mean, you have to learn and gather as much information as you can, listen to podcasts, read books, understand the business of community farming, understand what makes it successful and not successful, understand the need for what people are looking like. For example, when I remember when I talked about last week where I was wholesaling stuff in the Caribbean, remember that? And I went there not knowing what people are going to be looking for. And I found a niche market, like I said last week, where people more wanted me, needed someone to help bring in the heavy, um, heavy clothing for their stores, which was jeans because they were too, they carried too much weight when they were shopping. And so I was the niche guy. They used to call me the, the jeans man because I would bring in the jeans and that was my niche market. So even if you start your community farming, you say, you know what? I think I can specialize in making, I don't know, broccoli. My broccoli is organic. There's a huge demand for it. And maybe this will be my niche thing. And I'll just focus on that in my community farming. You have to really start to understand. You have the passion and the love. Check, check. But now you have to understand the business of community farming. How do I profit? What prof, What crops should I grow? Where should I be? How should I be? And what kind of team should I be? And there, are there organizations that are doing this already? I like in my neighborhood, I think you just go to the, the, where the community farm is, speak to one of the people there, and maybe get like a little plot of land where you can start building. So maybe you do the same in your neighborhood. If not, you take the train and make the effort and go into the neighborhood that provides that. And you start speaking to the people that are producing this stuff, that are doing these things and what they're doing and how they're doing it, and start building your network that way. And then guess what? When you're going to school, what kind of courses are you taking? What are you taking as far as school to help support this initiative? What are you going to be taking? I am in the process of doing a permaculture certification. Um, and part of that is the business component, but not to the extent that you're providing right now. So I appreciate this. Thank you. So, yes. So you're going to do, you've got to learn the basics. You're going to own that specific field. And then you're going to learn hands-on from the people that are doing it. Then you may even say, you know what? Let me find an actual larger farm, a real an organic farm in Connecticut or wherever it may be. And let me go there and, and learn, you know, how they're doing it on a larger scale. So I learn how to outgrow my business. Let me speak to different communities, how, how we, maybe you can be the person that the business can be. You can be the lead person that you get. You, you're affiliated with 20 community farms throughout New York City and Brooklyn and the Bronx and Queens and Staten Island. 
and you you maybe you lease a van and you gather all their what they've they've, they've developed in their farm and you help them sell it. You maybe sell it on a retail on a wholesale basis to grocery stores and they can say have a little section in a grocery store that says Brooklyn Raised or New York are grown. That could be your thing with your label on it, with your branding on it. When people go to the grocery store, they see your label, your branding, and you're feeding back the community. You're paying them for their crops. You're selling it to people that may not have access to it, and you're growing your business. So your community farming can now become a, a viable business. Do you follow me? Or am I going too fast? No, I love that idea. Thank you. It's, it's planting seeds. It's making you understand, and everybody that's listening to this, whatever you choose to do, my job is to drive it and put a business around what you want to do because it can and it changes everything you think. Like, I love that you said you're taking business course because it's a business now. You'll be understanding supply and demand, how many, what crops you need, where you need to get it from, what's the best way to execute it, what is the best way, what is the, um, there's an algorithm, what is the best formula to return the maximum rate of return? You understand? Can you say that again or put it in the chat? Uh, I guess, what is the best formula or algorithm for you to get the maximum rate of return? How many farms do I need? What crops do I need to produce? Do I want to retail or wholesale? And I'll tell you a lot of things. In our community, a lot of us think of everything has to be on a retail level, meaning that we have to supply, it has to go from us to the end consumer. And, you know, I met with a guy who was a billionaire about five, seven years ago. And he said, you know, you really should focus on, if you had to tell that he was on my show, you can listen to our podcast, Two Black Guys with Good Credit. And the episode was, who wants to be a millionaire? And he said, you know, you, we in our community, especially people of color, need to start thinking B to B, which is business to business. We all think B to C, business to consumer, but we need to think B to B. So even if you're, you know, you would be, in my opinion, just like from the outside looking in at what you're trying to do, if you were able to. Like, I, believe, I love businesses that can bring the community together. Like, I, I met with Charlene and I. We spoke yesterday for about, what, 40 minutes, Charlene, maybe on the phone. And it was really, like, her ideas, what she's trying to, you know, you guys have a wonderful leader, by the way. The things she's trying to do and how community-based it is and all her initiatives, not just outside the United States, is wonderful. And what I like is just the different people that it's bringing to the table. And I think with what you're trying to do, community farming, you can go so far with that. It makes such a difference to not only the end users, which is people that are going to eat this stuff, but the people that are growing this stuff in the community as well and get everybody involved. It's just a wonderful initiative. Um, but you got to think of it as a business. You got to understand everything about it. Like a year from now, there should be no question you can't answer or, or not have some kind of response to it about this business. Because if you don't understand the business, you're not going to know how to drive the business forward. And you have to become obsessed with community farming, not like it, obsessed with it and understanding the business behind it. So I know I like to go off on tangent, but I hope that helps and hope that puts into perspective what we're doing and what we're trying to do here. Thank you so much. That was great input. Um, does anybody else want to share kind of what they think of financial literacy and what some of their goals were? I'll pick up one more name if not, but does anybody else want to share? Sure. This is Katrina. Hello. How are you doing? I'm well, Katrina. I think we spoke last week as well, right? Yes. How are you? I'm, I'm, I'm well. Well, for me, financial literacy for me at this stage of the game is, um, well, learning. I, I've accumulated debt and I want to pay it off. When you say um, at this stage of the game, what do you mean by that? Because some people think that, I just want to understand <laughs> what you keep saying. I think you mentioned it last week. What is this at this stage of the game? <laughs> My age. <laughs> Take that out of the equation. 
take that out of the equation. We don't know the end date and we don't know the beginning date. It's like how you excel now. If you keep looking at your age as a deficit or as something that is a hindrance to you, you'll never reach your full potential. Thank you for that. You really got to take that out of your mindset about your age. The starting and the beginning is that for everybody's at different stages in life. That's right. That's right. I got 60 year old people, seven year old people that are are in their second chapter and excelling. So you really, that's your hinder. That'll be your Achilles heel. Cause you'll think, Oh, my age, my age, my age. That, that just you saying that that's very um, hopeful to me. Um, but one of the things for me is that I have an invention idea. I had uh, gone to invention.com uh, to go see what they were about. They want a lot, a lot of money for me to for my invention, my invention will help people because it's a problem that I have that millions and like everybody, for example, everybody like yourself that wears that wears glasses, it's a problem that can be solved. So <laughs> it's based it's based around that. Yeah, it's based around that. And so I wanted to I, I I just what I need to do is to first of all I need to get a model drawn out drawn drawn out you know a real life viable model and stuff like that. So these are the things that I really needed help with. <laughs> For this invention, because I know it's a really good one. And then the how other do you know? Thing is, how do you know? Uh, I, I know because um, it's based around how how often I have broke. I've been wearing glasses since I was in the third grade, and I've broken lots of glasses for you know not because uh, I'm tired and sleepy, and I won't uh, take my glasses and put them in a safe place. Most times I'd be, un- they'd be I go through glasses all the time. Yes, I, I'm, but, I'm in that boat. Right. What I'm thinking about. Um, I know will solve this problem that for that particular situation. But so that is my issue right there. That's one something that I can be obsessed about to bring it to fruition. And the other thing is that um I would like to um I like to bring people together. I like uh uh like bring people together in like uh like event planning and stuff like that. I've done it on a small scale with my family and I've done it professionally once and then the pandemic hit. And um, so I stopped researching that further because the pandemic has everyone looking at um, event planning differently now. It's, it's got to be done differently now. And so I guess maybe I can jump on the jump on the bandwagon and see what's happening with it now. And um, and yeah, so those are the things that I love to do: bring people together. Okay. My, yeah. Let's talk about the first part. Then. Let's talk about the first half because they're, they're to me they're almost like two independent things, right? Yes, they are. No, I tell people, I tell people all the time, you know, I'm, I myself, I'm never really trying to hit a home run. I'm trying to get the first base, second base. If I get, if I get a triple, that's okay. But I'm not trying to always hit a home run and hit because, and I, I'm not a big baseball fan, but I can tell you the basics. If you're always trying to swing for the fences in baseball, guess what's going to happen majority of the time before you get a home run. Does anybody know anybody watch? You're going to strike out. You're going to keep striking out and you're going to get frustrated. But if you get a hit, if you get to first base, then you, then you learn and you steal the second base and nobody's watching to get to third base. Your, your, your confidence builds, your success rates gets higher, right? Those home run hitters, they strike out more than they get home runs. If you follow what I'm saying, right? So when it comes to your invention that you're trying, like, and, and another thing I'm not scared of, I'm not scared of someone stealing my ideas. Because I think I'm smart enough and I'm confident enough that I can always recreate myself and I can always continue to grow. And most people cannot, don't have the ability to take your idea where it needs to go because they don't have the one thing that you mentioned. 
three years old, I was rolling over on my glasses. I was crushing my glasses. I was doing certain things with my glasses. You have that passion that they don't have. They'll just be like, oh, Katrina has a great idea. Let me see what I can do with it. And they can't take it where you need it to go. So don't be scared by sharing and putting things out there and trying to really make this happen. And I say this to say that you have to like do, you can do informal or formal market research because things that I thought was the greatest invention is since sliced cheese usually need some kind of refinement or adjustment before it's ready for big time. <clears throat> and the way people look to invest in things right now and how most people look at it is, is risk management. They look at like, has this product been tested in the market? No matter how great it is, is it viable? It's something that's going to make us money because they're just looking at it from a straight profitability. You're passionate, you're connected to it on so many levels, but is there enough demand for your fix? And what is the cost of this demand? Like you may say, okay, I resolved classes getting crushed, but it costs your invention costs $300. And people are like, excuse me. Okay. That's great. But I just buy a pair of glasses with that. Why would I use this when I can just get a new pair of glasses? So you have to think, you know, figuring out the correct pricing scheme, like supply and demand always determines price. So you got to see where does it fit along price? Maybe it's a great invention, but is it priced right for the market? Does it work for the market? Does people see it as a, as a solution? Are you, so, are, you solve, are you truly solving something? Not just that you, you, it's a nice fix, but are you truly solving something that's been frustrating? Myself, I'm interested because I honestly stopped buying. I just buy, I buy Warby Parker glasses because I know I'm going to roll and sit on my glasses. I'm always getting them corrected. I'm always getting them fixed because I am that person. So I'm interested in what you're doing. But is everybody else like me? I don't know. So you have to do market research. And it starts with your inner circle. <clears throat> create whatever you say you're going to do. Create a, a sample of it. And I wouldn't tell my friends, hey, I think this is a great invention, blah, 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 I, because you may not get an honest opinion. I would just be like, hey, what do you think of this? Have some friends over. What do you guys think of this? Would you use this? What do you think? And they'll give you the insight that you need. And then you have to build the momentum. You have to get people wanting your thing. That gives you more leverage when you negotiate. If you just came with like, here's my invention, A, do you back it? And they see the potential in it. You're not going to get as much ownership versus like, I've tested it in the market. I've had X people there. Here are the results. Here's how well it's doing. I, I have orders out my zoo. I can't keep up with demand. Then you have the leverage. Because then I'm like, I just need you to help me um, create more widgets or create more than I'm only going to give you an, a 20% split versus like, here's my prototype. I've never tested in the market. I don't know how it's going to do. And they're going to be like, okay, we'll give you 10%. $10 on every glasses that you sell. So if it's yours, you got to own it. You got to prove it can work in the marketplace. You got to prove there's a need for it because it comes right back down to supply and demand. And then, and then go from there and be open to modifications because most times, like with me, when I was going to Barbados, starting off wholesaling, even my shipping, I never thought I was going to be a shipper. I was, you know, I never even thought I'd be in this position, but I've along the way, I'm following where things are trending and I'm, open enough and smart enough to know that I can adjust and I can adapt and I can maneuver because you may have five, 10 iterations before you get to third base, but that's okay. Maybe when you get to first base, you learn a little. The guy, professor told me this, you got to be like a rat. You got to run from hole to hole, gather as much cheese or much education as you can, and then move to the next hole, then move to the next one. So you may be five to seven years before you get exactly where this invention needs to be but along the way you've learned a hell of a lot you've met some good contacts and you've grown it and, and you may even pivot 
But to see like some people wait for like the perfect pitch to hit the perfect home run and they miss opportunities. They miss the learning process along the way and the networking, the meeting of people along that journey. Does that make sense? Yes, yes, it does make make sense. And a lot of what you said to me when I went to invent.com, they did express. Hello? You went on mute. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I when I did go to invent.com, they did tell me everything you just said, they broke that down to me as just what you said as to how to make this thing happen. And that's what they were going to charge me to do for me to give me a See? picture of the prototype. And to do the the study test, like like send out a, a study to see what people, you know, fill people out on it and stuff like that. So, But look at event.com. Event.com is a business. And they know the success rate of people that are going to event.com are very slim. They're in the business of selling, keeping people of their ideas going forward. You don't need event.com as your first initial phase. Your first initial phase should be your friends and family. It could be this. This is, we could be your test market. You got 30 random people on this call, all different shades of walks in life. You could be like, I'm going to send you a sample. What do you think? You don't need event.com for your initial phase. You need your inner circle of true friends and family and let them tell you, let them modify. And because they're doing what you can do and what your friends and family can do. And they're the, that's what they're in the business of. They're not in the business of making this a successful invention. That's all on you. That's on you to make this thing successful, not on them. They're in the business of people like yourself coming to them sharing their ideas, and they kind of sketching it out for you. I've had many people, like even people come to me, hey, I want to start a nonprofit, and I'm looking to get my um, nonprofit status. And as soon as they think they get their nonprofit status, they're going to have all this funding coming into them. They're going to make all this kind of money, and they're going to do all these great things. But a successful nonprofit comes down to you, not because you were, you're able to get your nonprofit status because you taught one class. You have to drive it and keep continuing to move it forward. Yes, that makes sense. I also have dabbled in that. And that is so true when I work with the, in a, in a um, nonprofit organization. But thank you. Thank you so much for everything. And I'm just going to, I just have to get that prototype. And I don't know, I'm not a computer person to, you know, to make for the model and then also getting a build. Those are the kind of things that I, I've been trying to find out, but I've to no avail. I'm not finding someone who could actually make it for me. I know what it needs to look like. I know what I want it to do. And I know the potential of it growing the different places it could be for the different reasons. Yeah. Well, let me tell you this. I just interviewed somebody on her show. Um, she does natural hair and from natural hair. She started making her own product line. And it's like one of the only black owned, one of the few black owned natural hair product lines. And we asked that same question, how she went that. She just said, I just went online. I looked for chemists. I met with different chemists. I met with people, different people were telling me different things. I wanted to use all natural products. And then I finally met the right person that was able to work with me. And like the confidence from this woman was just pouring out. Like you just feel it. And it comes down to like will and determination. You know, I can tell you, it's not an easy road, but if you want it, you can go get it. If you want to meet somebody that can help create this product, you'll meet them, but you just got to go get it. And maybe the plan is back to what you're saying, your event planning. Yes, the world is different. Things are changing, um, but there's still room for event planning. Like people still want to do things. People still want to have different types of events. And there's now, you know, social distancing events. There's like adjusting to this current norm 
and building a, a model behind it. You know, just the weather's getting warm. People are getting comfortable doing outdoor activities within a distance. You can do all kinds of different events as long as it's being respectful to, you know, this pandemic. And maybe at those events where you're going to meet the right person to connect. That's why you got to put the energy out there. Like, I'm going to do something, no matter how crazy it sounds. I have no problem letting people know, even people that I would consider somewhat of the people that are going to be the naysayers, because they'll just make me strengthen what I'm trying to do. I don't go to all the yes people that are like, yeah, Sean, it's great. It's love it, love it, great, love it, love it, love it, great, great. I want the people that are going to be like, eh, eh, I don't know, because they're going to make me think a little. <clears throat> so you have to put that energy out there and tell people every day. I have this great invention. It corrects breakness of glasses. I think it's great, blah, 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 blah. And then somebody may be like, oh, I know a guy that does certain things. I know that and that, blah, blah, blah. Maybe you work part-time at Warby Parker or someone that produces glasses. So you find out they're all probably making these glasses at the same place. Everything is probably funneling from the same place, but you have to dig into it. (laughs) Exactly. So you have to really get to the source. Like about 15 years ago, um, my son's mother, we, she was, she was getting these bags. She bought these bags off the street. They're, um, they were made by coconut shells and everybody loved their bag. Everybody loved their bag. That was a great bag. So I was like, you know, why don't we wholesale these bags? She's like, great. So you searched and searched. We found out that um, it was a place in Thailand that, a, a factory in Thailand that makes his bag. We took a trip to Thailand. We went to the family factory and was able to find the person that made the exact bag that she, that we, that she bought off the streets in New York. And we went, we did, we only, we only went once to be quite honest, but we filled up duffel bags of bags and we brought them back to New York and we sold out. Um, wow. So you just gotta have, you gotta have that drive. Yeah, we went to Chiang Mai, went, you know, in Thailand and found the source. You gotta have the will. You know, I think you have a great idea plan. Just you just gotta do it. So I know where I'm going off. I always tend to go off on tangents. I'm getting a signal from Larry, like, let's go to the next slide. So let's go to the next slide. <laughs> this is the intro. Okay, introduction to credit. I don't know how to fix it. Hello? Are you guys there with me? Put yourself again. You guys in there with me? Yes, we're here. Okay, good. Okay, good. Um, um, so let's talk about financial literacy and, and, and the C, which is credit. And it's to me, credit is almost the foundation of obtaining wealth. Because it's, as the definition says, it's the ability, the ability to obtain goods or services before payment based on the trust that the payment will be made in the future. So what does that mean to you guys? What does that mean? And how powerful is that tool and why? Can anybody help me? Sarah, can you help me? Um, actually, I had an. Oh, offer. sorry, Sarah. You're help. You're, you raised your hand, but you're 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 part of the. I saw the hand up, so let me go to somebody else. Yeah. Thank you. Sorry. Um, Melody, can you help me? Or Miriam. I'm sorry. What was the question again? I'm sorry. I read the definition of credit, the ability to obtain goods or services before a payment based on the trust that payment will be made in the future. What does that mean to you and how powerful is that? Um, I think it's very important uh, to have a, a high score for credit because uh, this is opportunity. For example, if I want to buy a house, I have to have a high score. So that way, maybe my uh, rate of interest, they are low. So I have some 
So for obtaining wealth and growing and, be- and becoming wealthy and having a, uh, and leveraging financial literacy, why, how does credit help us achieve that? Rhea, do you have an answer? It make us more look. Excuse me? Multiple people, you guys are going on mute when you're talking, so please uh, make sure you're on mute. Okay, um, this is Sharik. Uh, it helps in the form of um, to let uh, um, the banks um, see us as, um, Lord, I can't remember the word, but it let us, uh, the banks see us as people to trust mm-hmm. in giving us money. Um, Make us look good in the bank's eyes. Then, right, you're absolutely right, and and more importantly, it's it's the ability where I stand. And, and it may sound selfish to say this, but it's the, it's a part of the mindset to to grow and obtain wealth. It's the ability to use other people's money to make money, and not use I, your money. Correct? Does not everybody understand what I mean by that? Yes, yes. Melandi, I was able to unmute by the time you called me. Can I re- respond? Absolutely. Go ahead. Yeah, I think credit is um when you want to buy something, the bank look at how trustworthy you are in paying your bills on time, and how many, how you how you pay your bill, how you manage your money, so that they're able to give you a loan. Correct. So let me give you an example of how credit can help. A simple example: uh, twenty-four case of Poland spring water. Most likely it costs around $5 at the grocery store. We could all agree? Yes. Okay. If I decided to buy that case of water on a credit card, all right? So the, us- the general terms to a credit card is that you have 30 days in which to pay it back. And if you pay it back within 30 days, you're paying no interest. Does everybody follow me, right? So I go to the grocery store, I buy the case of water for $5, and I decide to sell them at a dollar a bottle, Okay. So if I sell the case out in 30 days, how much money would I gross? 24 times the dollar, which is $24, right? Everybody with me? Yes? Yes. Okay. So I've grossed $24. How much did I pay for the water, for the case of water? $5. How much profit did I make? $19. How much of my money did I use? None. None. Why? Because you bought it on your credit card. Correct. So as long as I pay it back within 30 days, I've used whose money? Other people's money, correct? Yes. And I've made a clear-cut profit of $19, right? Yes. So this is the game of how you obtain wealth. And let's take it on a larger scale. Like, for, Let me give you a clear example of myself. So if everybody can mention earlier, I used to I buy and sell real estate. And I was more flipping properties when I was a lot younger. But... For example, my, in my mindset, I was just trying to make sure I have enough money to buy the property. And I'd buy multifamilies and I'd fix them up and rent them out. I wasn't concerned about the money to renovate. I was more using my money to get the down payment together and then use the bank's money to get to detain the mortgage. You with me? So why wasn't I concerned about having the money to renovate? Because here's what I would do. They have something called zero interest credit cards. Everybody know what that is? Mm -hmm. 
Yes. And they're called like teaser rates. So usually if you have good credit, American Express, MasterCard, Visa are, are, you don't realize, but they're fighting for your business. They're fighting for people with good credit. So they have, they'll give out zero interest credit cards, which they call teaser rates to have you bring your portfolio over to them, to have you register and sign up for one of their cards. And I've seen zero interest cards for 12 months, 24 months, 36 months, depending on the, the deal that they're having. So when I'd buy a building, I'd always look for a zero interest credit card. I'd buy the building and sometimes I'd use every single penny I have because I, I wanted, I was trying to get aggressive, really solid, good buildings. And it was just a matter of, I don't care what it costs. I'm going to do what I got to do to get it. And then once I'd get it, I'd have to most likely renovate the apartments and get them ready so I can get market rate for them. That would involve buying materials, paying contractors, that sort of thing. I would have this card. I would put on, and I'd ask the contract always specifically, can I pay you via PayPal? And if they said yes, then I can hire you. I would put most of the materials I would buy at Home Depot or Lowe's. It would all go on this zero interest credit card. I'd pay the contractor um, through the credit card, through PayPal. I'd have the PayPal link to my credit card. And then when the apartment, my, in my mind, if I got a zero interest card for 24 months, what, what do you think I'm thinking? That I have to get these apartments rented out and pay back this loan within 24 months. Does that make sense? So once... I renovated the apartment in my mind is like, I need to get it rented because it's not really about the tenant. It's about the obligation. I have the debt obligation I have with this card. And if I am able to make payments and pay it back within 24 months, that means who pays for my, who pays for the renovation? The credit card. It's on the credit card. I've loaned the money from the credit, but who's going to pay for the renovation? The tenant. The tenant. How much of the money am I using for myself? Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. From a local business to a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America gives your operation access to exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. How much of my money am I using? None. The only thing I'd have to worry about is a down payment, right? Then everything else a tenant would pay for. So if I know, and that would make me budget. Okay, if I have like, I don't know, a a year zero interest credit card and it's $12,000, I know that 
I cannot spend more than $12,000 on renovation for this apartment. So when I'm looking at apartments, I'm looking at the work that needs to be done, who I need to hire, how it needs to be done. So it all fits within my budget plan of me not using my money, using other people's money. And what this is allowing me to do through credit, it allows me to grow exponentially. It allows me to acquire more buildings. It allows me not to use my money. And the more mortgages I got, the more I made my payments on time, the more the banks are willing to lend me. So from the example of a simple um, selling of water to a mortgage, you can see the importance of credit and using other people's money. All right. Credit's usually acquired in two forms, loans and credit cards. Can anybody tell me the difference between a loan and a credit card? Let me go back. Uh, who hasn't participated? Have I heard from you yet, Susan? I just called you all. Um, huh? I'll say the loan is more a secure um, debt opposed to the credit card. Why do you say that? You're correct. Why do you say that? Um, because you can get a loan for a home and that you'll get um, appreciation in the home um, opposed to a credit card where you'll buy, you know, you'll go shopping and stuff like that. It's not a secure credit. Well, I wouldn't say the word secure, actually. So okay. a loan is a form is is more of an installment-based loan, while a credit card is revolving. And so installment means that usually if you get a loan for, I don't know, $5,000, $10,000, you negotiate with the bank, the interest on the loan, the terms of the loan, and it's a fixed payment every month, right? Right. You're required to make that payment for X amount of time. While a credit card is revolving, you'll have, you know, you'll have a, a, you'll have a credit, um, You'll have a credit balance. You, you spend up to, you know, you have a credit limit of like, I don't know, 10000 20000 5000 And you can spend up to that amount. Some months you may only have a balance of 300 Some months you have a balance of 800 Some months you may be close to, to maxing out the card. But it fluctuates, right? So it's revolving. And every month there's a different type of, there's a different payment amount. Make sense? Yes. So from a bank's perspective, which do you think is more riskier, a loan or a credit card? Credit card. Credit card. Absolutely. So hence why banks charge higher interest rates on credit cards versus loans, because they're saying most people, when they have a preconditioned payment that they have to make, they'll budget into their budget and they make that payment. People with credit cards, sometimes they're like, oh, they got to take a trip. Oh, they saw these shoes that they like. Oh, they want to upgrade their appliances. And before they know it, they've run up their credit card to amount that they really can't afford. Right. So from banks perspective, it's a riskier proposition. It's a riskier um, um, asset is it, a, a credit card. So with even with what we will talk about later, like debt consolidations, it's always good if you run up your credit cards to try to consolidate them into a fixed loan amount because your payments will go down, the interest will be less, and the banks will look at it as a more of a favorable type of loan versus a credit card. Another thing too with the loans, the loans are like either 15 years or 20 year loan. So they know that it's guaranteed. You're locked in until you pay it off. That time. Right. I mean, I, you can have, you can, you know, this is reason you can have a 24 month loan, a 12 month loan, five, seven years. There's no, you know, when you get into mortgages, yes, most people traditionally get a 15 or 30 year mortgage, but you know, you can get a personal loan for can be up to a year, two years, three years. There's bridge loans that you can get with real estate. Like if you have to do some renovations, you don't have the money, you can do a bridge loan. You can say, well, once the, once the renovations are done, we'll start making payments on this loan and so forth. And we, and we, just a quick note, and we will cover a lot of this later on. So I know a lot of you have questions. This is just the introduction, but we, we will talk about types of loans. We will talk about types of credit. 
we will talk about all those terms that I'm sure a lot of you guys have questions about and, and how, as Sean said, you know, banks assign interest rates and think about how he's going to say this word, how credit worthy you are. Uh, and so, you know, just, just stay tuned and hang tight and we should be able to answer a lot of those questions. Okay. So let's continue. Um, Sean, we have three hands up, so I don't know if they have questions. We have Infinati, Yipin, and Susan had their hand up. Okay. So let's address them. Um, let's start with, uh, Infinati Spite Stockton. You have a question. Oh, it's Infinity. Infinity. Sorry. I apologize. It's all good. Um, actually, when I raised my hand earlier, it was to give a response to Katrina, I believe. But okay. uh, Lara actually gave her similar information. I was just going to tell her there's resources right within the school that could help her. And not only that, there are um, she could actually get paid through opportunities. It could be like a project that could support her career. Wonderful. On her own prototype in that way. Outside of that, I do remember, actually, I did have a question, which was, um, are we going to have the ability to discuss, like, to have any one-on-one time with you guys? I know you said you spoke to someone. I don't know if it was earlier today or yesterday. But do we have that space to be able to speak about um, some of our plans so that we could build on them throughout the workshop? Um, yeah. Go ahead. No, I think that's something we can definitely discuss with Christine. Um I think normally during the classes, we, you know, we'll involve you and answer a couple questions, but I know that, you know, everyone has different circumstances that applies to them. So let us get back to you. Let us talk to Christine to see if we can figure out some time or at least have some sort of Q&A so we can more directly answer some of your questions. Yeah, even the time, because the way that I'm listening to the way that it's supposed to work, like what you just do with the, with the two young ladies that spoke, it, it's... How many 24 of us on here? So if we're all supposed to be building in that way, well, whatever, I'm a fallback. I'm, it's just a suggestion. I know for me, I would like to speak to you guys. No, and um, we can, listen, I don't, if you have questions, I can always stay on after class and speak to you as well one-on-one. That's not a problem. My goal is to okay. make sure that I'm helping you address your goals. And part of the examples that I use is that hopefully you'll think and incorporate them into your goals because they all follow the same pattern. They really do. It's all understanding that it's a business. Guys, huh? I, I wrote, so to be very honest with you, I naturally think the way that you're speaking, but I've been in that process for years. I have plans and plans and plans. So for me, more like, like literally, I have had business meetings about trying to brand myself. I already know. Like what I'm trying to say is that I think the way that you think, but as far as organizing my thoughts so that it's happening the way that it's supposed to happen, that's the area that I'm lacking. I've been sourcing people out to help me in areas where I feel like I need help. So I was just about to pay, well, I wasn't really, I didn't want to pay the 1200 but someone from high school is actually helping people brand and do these different things also. So I've been reaching out to different people that are in my circle, but I see that you guys are going to offer some of that same help. So because I naturally was just speaking about telling them to do, this is how I talk to my students, which are teenagers. This is how I think. So not saying that I'm not learning from that aspect, but I think that because I already think that way and gotcha. I have, that I'm just trying to figure, okay, well, I know, like, I heard you mention something about Bar- Barbados. I have partners in Jamaica and different places of my bulk herb company, but I'm limited in the way that I'm operating there. So if to speak to someone who's already doing it would benefit me more. So I don't think I'm in a stage of, like, let me show you to think like this. I was kind of born thinking that way. 
I'm right. Just, I understand what you're saying. You yeah. need a, yeah, I, I, I get exactly what you're saying. So let's just set time up. You know, I, okay. I, I'm, I'm definitely open, you know, just send your information to Christine. Uh, we'll set up time one-on-one. I'll speak to you offline. I mean, okay. your success, okay. like I've had so many people that took this course and your success becomes my success. If you succeed in Jamaica, I don't think you're going to forget me. So if it means that I got to spend you a half hour. I'm texting my brother about you as we're talking. I'm already like, I think you need to hit these people up. So I'm moving. I'm just. So if it I means being given a half hour, an hour to speak to you offline, okay. I'm willing and able to do that with anybody because it's more than just me coming doing these hour classes. I mean, I'm really, you know, it's about purpose and change and changing the mindset. So if you need that offline where I can understand the direction you need to go and I see where you're, what you're talking about, you know, a half hour, 45 minutes of my time is more, I'm more than willing to, to share it with you. I greatly appreciate it. Thank you so much. Also, Sean, let me make a quick um, announcement that we have two additional community partners, um, Greenworks and uh, Start Start Small, Think Big. Uh, Leah, correct me if I'm saying the last one name incorrectly. Start small. No, you're saying it pro- properly. I've been working with them since 2014. So, yeah, okay. I'm aware. All right. Um, so for people who are interested, they can go to those organizations as, as well, and they will help you um, figure out your business plans and things like that. All right, Sean, we have time that we have to be mindful of. So you're up again. Okay, so let's continue. So this all leads to, and I think you're all getting the drift, having the wealth mindset, all right? And it's really planting those seeds for you to start thinking and looking at your skill sets, looking at what you do well, looking at what you excel and matching it and understanding like, hey, credit has to be part of it. It's, it's really going to let you grow exponentially. You can't do all cash and carry. You have to learn how to leverage and grow credit and grow relationships. So as you can, I, hopefully you're getting the message of how much it is, like how far you can go when you can leverage credit and maintain good credit. All right. And how much you can borrow depends on your ability to pay back. And what I like to say, what we like to say, your credit history, you know, your credit history is nothing more than a report card. You know, people always will come to me. Oh, can you help me fix my credit? And I can't fix, like, if there's something negative on your credit report that's true, then it remains there. The only thing you can do to correct that is moving forward, do the right thing, be responsible, make payments on time. And then eventually that will fade to the back. People will more see the things that you're doing well versus what you didn't do so well in the past. Me telling, I, can I change something negative that isn't true? Absolutely. But will people, a lot of, there's a lot of credit card fixed scams out there that make people believe that. They can do things that are really not true. You cannot, it's a report card. It's like, if you got an F in a class, you cannot say on my transcript, can you just show all the A's and B's and do not show the F? It'll be part of your transcript. But hopefully down the road, like with me, my first year of college, my freshman year was rough. But then my sophomore, my junior and senior year, I did exceptionally well and nobody paid attention to what I did in my freshman year anymore. So um, let's go to the next slide, Larry. Okay, so now, like I said, it's a report card. So where is this information stored? All right, there are three credit bureaus out there, three main credit bureaus, Equifax, TransUnion, and Experian. And think of them as McDonald's, Burger King, and Wendy's. There are three independent organizations that compete with one another. They're not affiliated in any way. They're just, they collect data. Now, their, their job is, once again, is just to collect not to correct, but to collect. So if there's something that's wrong on your credit report, they're not going to find it. You have to find it. You have to point it out because how it works is that they're getting in all these different feeds coming in at different times. Chase sends them a feed of all their clients. You know, General Motors sends them a feed. Anywhere that you put your tax ID, 
where you have to give somebody your tax ID has a potential to be reported to these three bureaus. And that's what determines your credit history that they just collect your credit report. So there's something that's erroneous on it. It's for you to take the initiative and you to say, hey, this needs to be corrected and understand that these fees are coming in at multiple times throughout the month. All right. They're required to provide a new feed every 30 days. So Chase may send their fee at the beginning of the month. Citibank may send it the middle of the month. Um, American Express may send it in the third week. You know, PC Richards may send it where at the same time American Express sends it. Different fees coming at different time to create your monthly report card or what we call your credit report. Right. And there's three. The three independent bureaus will give you three different scores Three give you three scores. Most times they're, they're, they're within the same number of each other, but sometimes they're not. And if they're not, what there's a story being told. The story is being told that maybe there's something misreported on one re- credit bureau versus another one. And it's for you to compare and look at all three reports and see where the error could be or what the, what's happening. Um, once again, as the definition says, it provides detail of your personal financial hitter, history. Credit bureaus are simply credit record keepers. Every time you provide your tax ID, once again, it could be reported to the credit bureau. So let's talk about the credit score. The credit score is independent of the credit bureau. And we tend to use in America the FICO score, which ranges from 300 to 850. 850, hence why we call Mr. 850, is a top score you can get. And this score is called the Fair Isaac and Company. It's a data analysis company that focuses on credit scoring services. And really what it does, it's an algorithm that nobody knows. It's like the secret sauce to the Big Mac. Right. Nobody knows or the secret sauce, to the Colonel Sanders fried chicken. Nobody knows how he gets a fried chicken that way, because if he did, that's kind of how his business makes money. So if anybody tells you that, hey, if you do the X, Y and Z, your credit score is going to jump up 23 points. They're lying because nobody knows exactly. They can give you suggestions on how to increase your credit score, how to make your credit score go up, which Fair Isaac does on their website, how things that affect your credit score to make it go down. But nobody can tell you the exact number your credit score will jump up or the exact number your credit score will decline because this is how this is their hustle. This is how they make money selling the scores. They sell the scores to you and they sell them back to the bureaus, back to Equifax, TransUnion, Experience. The credit bureau collects the data. FICO creates your score based on your credit history, how well you pay, how many late, how long you've had credit for. All those things determine what your credit score is. And they'll give you suggestions on ways in which you can increase or, or, things, that will, or things that are affecting your credit score from going up. All right. Is everybody with me? Follow me so far? Yeah, yes. Okay. Yes. yes. And some lending institutions, you'll see, they'll create their own credit. They'll create their own FICO score type thing. They'll have like, you know, a credit range score of like between 300 and 900 you know, FICO is very specific and it'll be called your FICO score, but there's other scores. Credit card companies have their own type of scoring that they'll use. And some banks will have their own scoring, you know, based on credit history, based on your credit report. Right. So don't think because one report, one, the bank is saying, I have a 850 credit score that you have a perfect score because their range may be from three, from 400 to 900. So you have to really be specific when you're getting your credit score. What score, what range are they using? It is a FICO score. Is it their own score that they've kind of created? Because I know Discover Card kind of has their own score. Everybody follow me? Yes? Questions today? I think we'll try to get through. How much time do we have, Christine? We have a couple more minutes. Let's go to the next slide. 
Sean, you have until 6.30. Okay, perfect. Factors determining a credit score, okay? Now, these are the top four. Uh, I, I'll actually let Larry, if you want to take it from here and go through it, maybe I'll let you get involved in that. Yeah, no, I can, I can run through it really quickly. So as Sean said, look, there's no, there's no perfect equation, but I think people, people have figured out, and, and FICO does release you know, at a high level what goes into your credit score. So it's not a complete black box, and there are ways um, to, to figure out how to improve your credit and how to build your credit, right? And so I think the way I would put it is it's bucketed into five things, payment history, amounts owed, length of credit history, credit mix, and inquiries, and we're gonna we're gonna go into every single one of those uh, really quickly. So starting with payment history, that's the biggest one. That's thirty five about thirty five percent of your score will be because of your payment history. And Sean already touched on that, right? It's literally the report card. Do you pay on time? And are you late on those payments? Right? Are you carrying a balance uh, over every period if it's your credit card? Um, are you missing payments? And if you're missing payments, right? Is it they, they usually use terms like 30 days late, 60 days late, 90 days late. So, you know, obviously the sooner you pay it off and the less you have of that, the better your credit score is going to be. And then on the amounts owed, that's literally how much debt do you have, right? I think someone else made a, a Felicia made a comment and said, a loan is when you owe money back. Well, debt is a, a loan is a type of debt, right? So debt in this case is, is credit, right? So whether it's your credit card, whether it's in your mortgage, whether it's everything, it's like, what do you, uh, what do you owe? And, and what matters in terms of what you owe has to do with um, how, much, how much you're using based on how much you have. So we, we use this term called the credit utilization ratio and it sounds complex, but it's honestly very simple. So let's, let's use an example this way. If I gave Sean a credit card and I gave him $5,000 to use on his credit card. His, that's his credit limit. That's the max that he can ever put on his credit card. And he uses $4,000. At that point, when he's using $4,000 out of his 5,000, then his utilization ratio is, is 80%, right? If he's using $1,000, then it's 20%. And so why that matters is generally speaking, what FICO and the banks and everyone wants to see is that you're, you're, you're under 30%, right? So 30% would be uh, 1500 bucks in this credit card. It, it sounds crazy because you know they, they're giving you up to $5,000, but you're only supposed to use up to 1500 bucks. But it's a measure of, again, the more debt you have in your card, the more desperate you look. And Sean likes to use that word, uh, desperation, right? Desperation is not a good thing because if banks think that you're desperate and you're putting money on your credit cards and you're not paying it back, then that's going to negatively affect your credit score, right? And so if you use it all, that's maxing your credit. So the next, so these are the two big things, right? The other three are, are, are important, but less important. So length of credit history. So how long have you been using credit? Like how, how long have you had this outstanding credit card? How long have you had this auto loan? Everything works. And it's sort of counterintuitive a little bit because people think, is more debt bad? And I think Sean will tell you, not necessarily, right? It's how you use that debt. More debt in this way is actually good because having more, having debt for a longer period of time, but managing it well is sort of what they're looking for. So that's, that's what they're looking for in terms of credit history. Credit mix, well, they want you to have not just one type of credit, right? You know, they want credit cards, student loans, mortgages, auto loans, a, a good balance of different credit. 
Um, and then the last thing is sort of inquiries and inquiries is basically every time you open a credit card, if you go to a bank and you tell them you want to open a credit card, they're going to ask you for your social, your social security number, and they're going to run a check on your credit, right? With one of the agencies that Sean already talked about, uh, Equifax, TransUnion, um, any of the above, right? And so to do that, that's called an inquiry. That's called a hard inquiry because they're actually running and getting a full report. Having a lot of inquiries is negative, is a negative impact on your credit. Does anyone know why having a lot of inquiries is bad? It drops your credit score. But, but why? Like, why does it drop your credit score? Because you're trying to see if you're responsible enough to pay your debt. Kind of. I, I think I, I would put it, it looks like you're trying to get a lot of debt at different places, right? Does that, does that make sense? Yes, it does. And what, and what does that, what does that make you look like? Bad. It makes you look desperate is what John always says. Desperate. <laughs> desperate. You don't want to look desperate. And so if you're going around at each bank and they're rejecting you and you're going to the next bank and saying, I want to open a credit card, that doesn't look good. So yes, it's a small impact, but if you keep doing that, it's going to bump your credit down um, gradually. These inquiries do go away over time, but they will be on your report for a couple of years. So to prevent you from doing what I just said. So it's, it's not super important, but you know, you have to be mindful of spacing out, you know, the amount of credit cards that you're opening over time. And quickly, a soft inquiry uh, is a little different. A soft inquiry is something that, let's say if someone comes to you, if, you know, sometimes you'll get mail from the bank and Chase will say, we've pre-approved you for this credit card. Or Macy's will say, we've pre-approved you for our, our, yeah, our in-store credit card. So that's when they run a soft inquiry because you didn't initiate that inquiry. And a soft inquiry, correct me if I'm wrong, Sean, does not have uh, an impact on your credit score. No, it doesn't because you didn't initiate that. So it's so what happens when I worked at American Express, we would buy lists. Like we'd buy a list of potential people like with certain credit. They, so not another role of the credit bureaus, how they make money, what their hustle is to, they sell their list. So they can like, they can Equifax. Can, so American Express can reach out to Equifax and say, we want people with credit scores ranging between six and eight hundred, six and eight hundred, six, between six hundred and eight hundred, and that live in live in California, and that are you know between the ages of thirty and fifty, and Equifax will provide them with a list of millions of people that reach that segment. Then American Express will do a marketing campaign based around that. Hey, are you first time home buyer living in California? Blah 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 blah. We have the credit card that's there for you to help you along your way through your home renovation idea. And then they'll, that's how they'll make the money. They'll sell them that list. And then American express will send you a soft inquiry of like, how did they know I needed to renovate? How did they know that I'm looking for else in California? Because they've obtained that list from Equifax. So that's part of their business, their revenue model as well. So they'll, they sell lists all over to all different companies. A lot of those offers that you get in the mail are sold from these credit bureaus that collect your data. Awesome. Uh, I just want to make a quick mention, um, Larry and Sean, there was seven people in the survey who don't have credit cards. And um, as you look at this uh, diagram on the board, one of the things you want to uh, look at is as you get a 
uh, credit card maybe through Discover or someone in your family may also allow you to get a card under their uh, account. Um, you wanna be able to have at least three cards when you start out, all right? Um, along with that, you wanna make sure that maybe one, that both of them are not from the same bank. So if you have a Discover card or you have a Citibank or a Chase card, make sure that they're not from the same bank. These are just tips for, you know, as you grow your history, the, this will come in handy. And another, and another tip, another tip that goes back to what we're talking about on the credit utilization, right? If you have three cards and each of them, again, let's just say, for example, are they give you $5,000 of, of credit limit and you have to spend $3,000. Do you put it all on one card or do you spread it out across the three cards? Spread it out. You spread it out, exactly. Right, while the total credit utilization ratio that you're gonna have is gonna be the same, right? Cause they're adding all three up. One bank is gonna look at it differently than the others. So just a, just a little tip. One, one more quick note, you can knock out the, um, the first, the 15% the length of credit history. You can get that to the maximum. You can get the new credit to the maximum. You can get the 30%. Um, so you can take all of these smaller amounts and max those out through Credit Karma. You can look at Credit Karma and they'll show you how far you are from getting what's considered their top rating under those things. And you'll notice that one of the things they, they offer for getting their top rating is that they want you to have a lot of cards. I don't recommend a lot of cards, okay? I recommend three cards, but in order for you to have a 800 or above, they want you to have a lot of cards. And that's um, what- Up to how many cards do you suggest? I recommend three cards. I, but, well, I, you know, some people have hacked system because they have a good habit. As young people, you want to develop your habits. This is what's going to keep your score high. Paying on time, making sure your history is good. And then you add as you go forward based on need and your goals, as Sean is teaching you. You start with your goals and you learn to utilize the system from that standpoint. From my own experience, system because I'm an older person and I have many different uses for credit. So if you're young, three is nice, six might be the max, but I know people that have maxed out because they have, have full control up to 20 cards. Yeah, and uh, just for context, I mean, pretty much every year over the last five or six years, I've added a credit card. So I'm, I'm different from Jeff, but the majority of the credit cards I don't really use. I use them for very specific functions like travel or uh, when some of them have rewards at a certain time, but I'm keeping my ratio super, super low, um, but I'm opening them up because I'm trying to max out that number. And the reason I can open so many cards up is because one, I'm spacing them out and two, because I have a good history of paying them back. Right. So again, it just, it just goes back to that. We have one question about sec secured credit cards. Um, yeah. 
So what about secured credit cards? Do they affect your credit? Would you suggest, um, I mean, I personally think secure credit cards are good, but would you guys suggest them? Like, um, let's say if people feel like their credit is not in a space where they would actually qualify for a credit card, how do you feel about people maybe getting two or three, $300 secured credit cards, maybe one from their bank? And Absolutely. Absolutely. I think it's a, a wonderful idea and it's establishing your credit history. And, you know, I always say secure credit cards, it doesn't have to be a long game. You know, you can do it for six, seven months, eight months. Consec- you know, to me, you can make credit cards part of like, you know, I, you know, we'll talk about it more in the next slide where it's cash versus card, like cash has to be dead in your mind and you put everything on that card. You have, you have to have the, the conditioning and the mindset, you're going to pay it all off in, for, in full every month. You know, your eyes can't be bigger than your mouth, in other words. So if you establish, like, I got the secured card and every month I put two, $300 off and I paid off a full, paid off a full two, three months and eight months past, you can reapply to that same company, Visa, MasterCard, and get an unsecured card. It's really a short-term bridge if you do it, if you use it effectively. If you're going to run it like undisciplined, unmanaged, going maxing it out, not making full payments on it, have to tap into your bank account to take the money back out, then it's going to look like you're not reliable, you're not you're not consistent with your payment. But if you're showing good payment history, like like Mr. Eight Fifty just mentioned, or like Larry mentioned, then you can move move from secure to unsecured because you kind of want to be getting towards unsecured because it gets back into our earlier slide about using other people's money to make money. And that's the real success. That's a real win. But you can, um, you can only one use other quick people. note. Um, if you have um, someone can give you a trade line or a credit line from their account. So for example, my, my son started, he wants to get, move out. So I'm all for that. I'm like, Hey, you need to get your, your credit higher. I'll let you use some of my credit by getting an account with, with my credit account. So he gets a card in his name through my credit card, but I don't give him the card. I spend on the card myself. I pay one bill. He gets the increased credit score from me letting him have a trade line or or credit card through my account. So that is one of the fastest ways for, you know, someone to get a higher score along with the um, other cards that you may apply for. And, and provided once you start getting better credit, you will get cards offers in the mail. And I do that myself with my 16-year-old son. He's I have him as an authorized user on one of my credit cards, and he's never seen a card day in his life. He will when he gets more when he gets a little older, but it's just to to build up his credit score and leverage my credit to help build up his score. Let's go to the next slide, Larry. Okay, so let's go. I'll let you take this one, Jeff. Okay, credit scores can be can vary between credit bureaus because of the underlying data they receive. While your creditors are responsible for continuously updating these agencies on the details of your payments, they may not report to the same agencies at the same time. Having credit lines under different names could also lead to difference. Uh, sometimes and credit bureaus will make an outright mistake file a dispute. So what this is basically explaining that, you know, each credit um, company may look at each thing that you have, each piece of debt differently. Some focus mostly on homes, some focus on cars, some focus on credit cards. But sometimes what happens is the, the person who focuses on cars is not getting your mortgage. The person that focuses on mortgages is not getting your car. 
note. So your report may look different. Like my score is only 850 with experience. Equifax and TransUnion is lower. So their algorithm is a little bit different. So what's reported to them is also a little bit different. They're not getting all the facts or the full picture or full scope of what I normally pay every month and what I owe every month. Right. You have to really pay attention and understand that, you know, they're all receiving uh, information train lines at different times. And you have to pay attention that they may not all be similar. But if one is out of like, if, for example, if you're showing like the example shows 717, Equifax has 717, TransUnion has 717, and then Experian is showing your score is 600. Something is wrong. At that point, you should look and see what, what's coming up in your Experian credit report that's not making it somewhat align with the other two bureaus. They should be somewhat within the same scope. And if they're not, that's a red flag for you to look. And companies charge people to say, I'm going to fix your credit. I'm going to do this. You can self-do this yourself. You can look at the report. And we're going, to, we're going to go through a credit report next class. You can look at the credit report, figure out what it's saying, figure out what's not true and what's true. And if it's not true, you can just provide the evidence to the credit bureau or sometimes go back to the company that's providing the misfeed. If Chase is saying that you have a credit card that's over the limit or that you've missed payments and you know you never missed payments, you're over the limit, you can go back to Chase and show them, hey, this is showing up on my credit report. Why is it showing up? And it may be Chase's fault. And Chase can then send a corrected file to the bureaus to correct the error that they made. And there's something on the report. Yes. Sean, I can add there. There. So these three credit bureaus, I don't know if you mentioned, you are entitled for free to a credit report from each one of those bureaus or three credit reports a year, right? Exactly. And most credit cards you can get for free your credit report report where you can pull in, look at it daily and see what's going on. So I think in these times you have no excuse to be on, you have to be on top of this. The credit bureaus are not managing this for you. They're just collecting the information. It's your responsibility to make sure that, you know, what's going on in your credit is correct. And a lot of us suffer from credit fear, meaning they don't want to know. I don't want to know my credit's messed up. You know, even if your credit's not good, you have to figure out your game plan to make it good. You have to kind of look at your credit report dissected by Treyline, figure out, okay, where do I need to get better? What do I need to correct? Where do I need to start making payments to really build up my credit score? Don't be nervous. Don't be scared. We've all been down a road we didn't want to go before, but it's a, it's, it's a courage it takes to get out of that road and find that new avenue, find that light to bring you to where you need to get to. And again, you know, you can, again, as Jeff mentioned, there's this website called Credit Karma. I hope a bunch of you guys have heard of that Credit Karma. I put it in the chat. Great website because they aggregate that information from, um, I think, at least two of the three credit bureaus, and it breaks it out into uh, like what they're effectively what they're reporting. Right? Are you current on your payments? What is your what are the accounts on each file? Right? So you can even do the checking through there without having to get the credit report directly from the from the bureau, just as a quick check. And you can turn it into a game. Like I turn it into a game. I don't have an 850 credit score, but for years. I was aiming to get over 800, right? And so you can check, you can get a little crazy about it. And you can check it, you know, every week, every two weeks, every month, whatever you want, and sort of see, okay, this month I went up, the next month I went down. Why did I go down? And it eventually becomes a thing as you build your credit, uh, it becomes something that you're proud of rather than being scared. Absolutely. Well said. Let's look at the next slide. Cash versus credit. 
Can anybody tell me which is better, cash or credit? Which one to use? Why I use cash or credit? What are the differences? Somebody give me a hand. What do they think when it comes to cash versus credit? Uh, good evening, everyone. I think uh, um, cash is better than credit. Cash is that's your money. Credit is like you're using some, somebody else's money. Okay. What does anybody else agree with? Agree with them or disagree? Cash is better. I disagree. Why do you disagree? Um, credit is better um, because when you if credit is better when you have the money to pay it off because one you're accumulating you're raising your credit score because you buy stuff on credit and you're able to pay it off within the thirty days so you save on the interest when you have your cash you keep your cash and you use the credit so your money is saved while you're using other people's money. Okay, so let me go a little further. Responsible. I'm going to give you some examples, and, and then you guys can tell me what you think after I give you the examples, all right? When you buy something with cash, it's a one-to-one -one transaction, meaning that I go to the store, I want to buy a shirt for $20, I give them cash, what do I get in return? The shirt, correct? Everybody with me? Yep. It's a one-on-one -on -one transaction. Now, when I use credit, it's a, it's a three-to-one transaction, so I'm getting three times the amount of worth for the one transaction. How is that happening, right? I get the shirt is one, correct? Number two, I can earn points or rewards for that purchase. And then number three, I increase my credit score, so which gives me the ability to have a greater earning potential and have a greater access to credit. Now, you may think this is small and what a earning cash worth. Well, let me give you an example of my business. All right, with my business, like I mentioned before on the early in the class, I put everything on my credit card with my business. I let Every month, I have a shipping business, a logistics business. All shipping transactions are directly linked to my credit cards. Um, by rent, I pay through my credit card, through PayPal, the link that I have there. My only thing I really pay out of hand, out of pocket, is, is my staff. But everything else, all overhead, I link to my credit card. So on every, any given month, my credit card bill is you know, somewhere between sixty dollars to $120,000 a month. Now, I, can I pay it all in cash? Probably, but then that would mean that I'm using my money and it doesn't give me access to do the things I don't want. I need to do to grow myself to further. But when I pay it on credit, what happens is every month I pay it off in full. So I'm not paying the banks or anybody any interest, but I'm earning points or rewards. So before COVID, my thing was I would work 24 days out of the month, including Sundays, and I would travel four to five days every month. But the credit would pay for everything, meaning that all the points and rewards that it would cover my flight, would cover my hotel, would even cover meals. So I'm able now, instead of having to expense myself with airline tickets, with hotels, I'm using that one transaction of paying for my shipping goods, paying for everything under my credit card to allow me to do greater and better things. And when you establish good credit, you know, there's a world of access that you become part of. So because my spend is so high with American Express, when I travel, I get access to the lounges. And me, I, when I travel, I translate. I hate paying, buying stuff at the airport because we all know it's overpriced. So I'll go into the lounge. I'll get access to lunch, whatever, whatever I need, whatever snacks I need, I'll have access to. And then not further than that, they're always sending me different offers, different deals. When I get to a hotel, I'm always getting upgrades, this and that, because I'm not doing a, a cash-only system. And my partner is American Express for the most part. That helps me. Allow me, allows me to use credit and then gain the rewards and benefits. And I know that's on a large scale, but on a smaller scale, like, for example, 
with Discover Card. There's things called cashback rewards, which you can get 5 and 3% cashback. So if you spend $100, you get $5 discount. You get a 3% discount. They give you, there's some cards that are linked to Amazon that you'll get free Amazon Prime. You'll get, if you want to upgrade, if you want to get like um, security passes to the airports, they'll pay for all of those things where you're not using your money. You're building the relationships. You're making your dollar work in multiple ways. And in these times that have a wealth mindset, you know, it's not a one-to-one transaction. You have to think in multiples. Like I got to make my dollar work in three, four, five different ways. That's when you see the wealth. You're not going to see the, the Warren Buffetts, the Bill Gates. If you reach into their pockets right now and reach for something in their pockets, all you're going to pull out is lent and probably a credit card because they're not using yeah. their money. They're not walking around with $10,000, $20,000 in cash in their pocket. They're walking around with credit, access to credit because they're, you know, I've hung around the rich and famous and they are so conditioned, the ones that are about wealth mindset of using their own money. They don't want to pay to get it anywhere. They feel that their brand, their selves, their name to get them. When they walk into a restaurant, they're not paying. You think like, for example, like, like Barack Obama, there's, he probably rarely uses his own money. He can probably sit in any restaurant and eat for free. He probably gets on there because he's a brand. And he's like, I'm not going to pay because I know I'm going to help build your business by just being there. So you kind of have to have that same access, like really protecting your cash and using credit to leverage yourself to help propel yourself. So let me get back to the initial question again. Cash or credit? Hey, sure. I want to add, add two quick points to what you're saying. And one is when, you, when you're out and about, out and about, and, and you lose your wallet, you have your credit cards and you got your cash. Which one, which one do you think you lost forever? Your cash. Your cash is gone forever. Your credit cards, you call up, you cancel them, and then you get new ones. Right. And it, it's an extra security protection, like Jeff said. So many times if my credit card is compromised, I just call my credit card company and they, they cancel out all those transactions. They send me out a new card. I'm, I do a lot of online shopping for clients. I'm always having to replace in new cards. And I've never got stuck with the bag. Like if I lose my wallet today, God forbid, yeah, it'll be painful having to call on my credit card issuers. But it's not, I'm not like I'm losing money. And once again, the wealth mindset. How many times is- you go into a store? Sorry, John. Quickly. No, go ahead. Go How ahead, many continue. times have you gone to the store and they've asked you, "Do you want to add a warranty on the item you're buying?" And you know, this could, this could be an extra twenty dollars. It could be an extra hundred dollars if it's a washing machine. Well, if you have a, a certain credit card you automatically get an extended warranty over the warranty that you receive with the item. So that in itself is like giving you an extra, you know, bonus with each and every major purchase, especially a person like myself who has multiple apartments where things, you know, can run out at any minute. So when I buy something new, I want the longest extended warranty I can possibly get with a refrigerator, a stove, a dishwasher. So that in itself is a giant bonus. Yeah, a lot of credit cards have something like a buyer's remorse. If you're not happy with your purchase, if you didn't like your purchase, and the company is not willing to take it back and return you, because some credit cards will credit you back for that. If they're, like you said, the extent of warranty, something breaks and the credit and the purchaser is giving you a hard time, they'll, they'll, they'll credit you back or they'll fight for you to get back your money where you don't have to do all that hard legwork. They'll do it for you versus cash. Even like returning items, you know, do you have a receipt? I hardly keep my receipts. Everything is in my credit card. Like run my card, everything's on the card. 
So I don't need to worry about keeping receipts because I know it's all logged within my credit card. So it helps you manage and budget yourself. And then you can see trends. Where am I spending? And where am I not, where I need to get better at, where I need to save. And it gets you the discipline. Like I'm only going to spend like for people that know that like they don't have that discipline yet. You get a credit card with a limit of $500. That's my budget. And every month I look to pay it off in full and I don't exceed that. Cash is really dead. And you have to get into the mindset that cash is dead. Credit is king. And I'm using my, my money is my money. I say it all the time. And I like to keep it in my damn pocket. (laughs) That's my logo. I try to keep my money and I use other people's money. And I just have that discipline to know that every month my hustle and grind is to pay in full. I can go back almost a year and I can tell you what my credit card balances were for every month in the past because I know the mindset. I know what I need to pay. So I know I keep this game going and I keep leveraging myself and extending myself and acquiring assets and acquiring things that are going to make me money and work for me rather than me work for them. And that's kind of the wealth mindset. So everybody agrees. Anybody have anybody still thinking cash is king? Let me know now so we can I can hear your opinion and we can address it. I just think it, it depends on where you're living, uh, in terms of country or their culture, because that would be if uh, if you're in a certain country, you buy something like if you buy a home, cash it's yours. Apart from if you buy a credit. Okay, so let's get back to that question. Let's get back to that. I'm agreeing if you buy a home, all right, cash, it's yours. But so you've had to put out that large sum of cash to buy them. I'm from the Caribbean, I'm from Barbados, and I see many people do that, take their time piece by piece. But say you got a mortgage and you made a payment, you can then live and enjoy that home. And you can use that cash to create additional income that can purchase that home. Instead of buying one home for $100,000, Maybe you can buy three homes for $100,000 because you give $25,000, $30,000 down payment on property one, $30,000 down payment on property two, and $30,000 payment on property three. And maybe properties two or three pay for property one because you rent them out. Then your money's working for you. And that's the wealth mindset. That's the difference. And that's what developers, I know developers in Barbados and Jamaica that have that mindset. They're doing development projects where that, hey, they want to sell X amount of units so that the, the 10th unit is all paid for and it becomes theirs. Or they can develop and do another development project. Doing piece-by-piece piece building, which my grandparents did, which my family did, I understand it. I get it. I'm 100% under, very coherent of what that is. But it's a slow process, slow grind, and it doesn't create wealth. And especially, you have to, especially with these days, you know, we, maybe if you hear in the news, people say, oh, low interest rates, low interest rates. Right. Well, I guess the last couple of weeks, uh, interest rates have been going up, but even going up, it, they've been the lowest they've been in you know, right. 20, 30 years. So with interest rates being, let's say, like sub 5% on a mortgage, it's, it's never been a better time to take it's out free money. credit, right? To take out money. It's almost free money. Yeah, it's all, there's a cost of borrowing. And right now, the cost of borrowing is at its lowest in years. I've refinanced all my properties, got them into lower rates. Right now, I would, I would more use credit than I would cash because the cost to borrow cash is relatively very, very inexpensive. So it allows me to be aggressive in, in ventures that I want to take on because I know borrowing the money is not that expensive. And like the Warren Buffetts, the Jay-Zs, the Bill Gates, they're all you see them on TV talking about their businesses, what they're looking to do. They're looking to gather investors. They're not using their money. They're looking to leverage the banks, leverage credit, leverage people that want to be part of their brand versus using. And they have more money than 
will I can ever dream of. But that's the mindset to not use your money to use other people's money. Your money stays with you. All right. Does that make sense? Hello? Can I ask something? Uh, yes. uh, so Absolutely. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I really like the orientation you are offering us because uh, 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 this information it helps me a lot to build my credit, right? I have a credit. But my, I have a question for you. Do you give um, a personal orientation? Is there a, an office we can contact you or I can contact you? To, um, or do you give appointments for separate? Because I know maybe if I plan my situation, maybe you can help me to do something that I want to, to for example, to buy a house or to build more my credit to have a good score. My score is around 700, okay. but I would like to do better. Got you. Well, I think, Christine, we were mentioning earlier in the class that, you know, a number of you guys wanted like kind of some one-on-one um, comp meetings. And I have no problem, you know, putting aside time to speak to some of you guys one-on-one and kind of helping you kind of direct the direction you're trying to go and where you need to get to and what I see and how I can, you know, help you push you in the right ways. So I have no problem with that. I think, I think I guess the best thing, Christine, would be send send you an email and then you'll then just send me back one and we'll kind of figure out some times. Yeah, we can do that. But we can also Please, link thank them you. to yes. we can link them to community organization that all they do is help you sit down, go through your credit, kind of figure out a game plan that to help them um, build their credit as well. If you but we can link them to you as well, Sean, but we can also link them to the community organization that is wonderful if you're, if you're too busy. And today, you know, today we're teaching, today we're teaching these sort of fundamentals about, you know, what components of your credit are and cash versus credit. As Sean said, next, next week, we're going to actually go and pull up a credit report and dig through it to show you exactly what you should be looking for. Right. So maybe, you know, maybe we're not going through your personal story here. And I know everyone has a different story, but we're going to show you exactly the steps that you need to take if you want to self-serve this. So you don't have to hire someone outside. You don't have to hire a credit report, or you can go to one of the resources that Christine mentioned. Um, but you know, the more you can do yourself, the easier it's going to be. And just to let, just to follow with what both Christine and Larry are saying, what's happening with you guys and you guys wanting more, you guys wanting one-on-one is exactly what's supposed to be happening in this program. It's supposed to be spawning and it'll make your mind thinking. You're supposed to be like, man, I should do this. Maybe I need to know this. So exactly what's happening and what, how you're thinking and what you're thinking that you want to learn more. You want something that's more directed towards you and your goals, your needs. This is the whole purpose of this program. We can't answer all questions, but it should encourage you to kind of seek and want to learn more and more direct the questions, more specific to where you want to go. So I'm very happy to hear the questions. I'm very happy what you're asking from me. I think that's is all great. And hopefully you guys are really getting a lot out of the program, but this is what's supposed to be happening. So I think with that being said, I think it's 631. Um, does anybody have any last questions? Is everybody happy? Like thumbs up would be great. Thumbs down. If you, if not constructive criticism, I always welcome it. I have a quick question about, um, the name of the podcast to go to be able to get this information, look at it, view it again. Do this, oh, it's, this. oh, there you go. There you put it up right up there. There is two black guys with good credit. And we put the classes up usually on a Sunday or Monday. So you guys can re-listen. Take the picture. Yes, please listen, take a listen. And your payment to me would be to listen to one of the shows 
and leave a review on Apple or wherever you listen to podcasts would help me as well. Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. If you own or operate a business, whether it's a local operation or a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America could be your smartest move. By teaming with Bank of America, you'll enjoy exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Position your business to capitalize on opportunity in a moment's notice. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.